Game of Thrones, Season 8, Episode 6, The Iron Throne. The epic HBO fantasy series that changed the way TV is made based on the sprawling, complicated story by George R. R. Martin goes out pretty basic. (laughs) Pretty bad. We're getting to this late. We watched it on Sunday, and now it is Thursday. I've had a few days to think about it and gather my thoughts, and we did a rewatch which we don't usually do for these. So I'm going to try to approach it a little bit different. Um, I don't know if we'll be on the same page, but when we did the Bells, we watched it immediately afterward, and we were ranting and raving for 30 minutes straight. So I'll try... I mean, justifiably, though. Yeah. So I'm just going to try to take a more meta look at it, at the at the whole thing, and see if I can draw I some positives out. regulation over my voice for this episode because I slept on it for a few nights here but in terms of my overall opinions and what I'm probably going to say it's not going to be that much different from the bells well and it wouldn't be according to the Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter all that different either what does that say they're both like in the 50% something yeah I I believe the bells is like 48% and this one, the Iron Throne, is like 50%. So it, it feels kind of 50% in my brain. Kind of lukewarm. I didn't hate it as much as most people seem to. But it was uh, not the best we've seen. There were aspects of this that reminded me of other episodes of when I think, oh, I like this show. Yeah. But they were fleeting, and most of it was what we've gotten all season. And just to your point of what you said in introducing the podcast today is, There's a reason why this show is what it is. There's a reason why millions and millions of people around the world watched this. And it was not what we got in season seven. That was just spectacle. The reason why... why Season eight. Season eight. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah. Um, We just got in spectacle here in season eight. That's pretty much it. It's just maybe fanfare to people who don't expect much and just want basic entertainment. But I truly believe what made this show so amazing and so big and reached so many people was the amazing writing and storytelling and characterization. And that all was lost here, which is why as you continue to listen to this episode, you're, you're going to, I will explain why and, and where I come from with that. But there's a reason this show is unlike any other in probably the history of television. So a friend of mine who's, we would call a casual fan, the kind of person you just described who watches it for the fun and whatever, <laughs> listen to our podcast after the bells and we basically ruined it for him. <laughs> <laughs> he said that he, he watched it and he liked it and then he listened to our podcast and he watched it again with his wife and he's like, see that part's stupid and that part's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so there's actual consequence to doing this, I guess. And I was over the last weekend. I was at a jujitsu tournament coaching all weekend, and more than a couple people came up to me and said they listened to my podcast. <laughs> oh my god! I was like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> all right. So I think we can up it from five people to eight. Yeah, it's kind of strange to realize people are actually listening to these. <laughs> yeah, um, and I've had that happen yeah. twice with with other things, um, not related to your jujitsu life, and it's funny. One person spoke for another person was like get out your podcast we really need to hear what you think about this and i was like i don't know if you want to hear what i have to think about this oh yeah people this week since we're 
five days behind have been like, so what's up? Where's your podcast? Jeez. <laughs> And I mean, and again, just to translate why you and I are laughing so hard is we do this for each other and for fun. Yeah, well. um, not for at all like some sort of like destiny in the podcast world. <laughs> this is just more fans having fun and talking about yeah. something that we've enjoyed. And that was super cool. I mean, it was fun to do this with you. So the fact that anyone other than us listens to it is just really honestly a bonus. Yeah. And if you guys truly do like it, you can rate it on iTunes because we're actually... You can suggest shows yeah. that we watch and do this Well, <laughs> I don't think we're done with Game of Thrones because no. there's a prequel supposedly coming out. There's more books. And we've Three actually... prequels. We're almost done with a rewatch of the, the previous seasons that we're just going to put out for fun. So... And, and big note, most of the, the rewatches were done before Season 8 came out. So you're yeah. going to hear us talking about things of how we think it's going to go and just keep that in mind. So um, I'm not sure if I should start on a positive or negative note for the finale, but I guess on a positive note, I tried to think of the themes. And I like the general themes. Um, and that's the themes are what George R. R. Martin is going to write. Of course, the details are going to be a lot different, but... Thematically, um, I liked a lot of the John Danny stuff, the Danny stuff, basically. Well, be more specific. So, the theme of power corrupting, not corrupting, that's not the right word, but just... um, There were a lot of parallels to Lord of the Rings here in so many different ways. Right, the throne Um, is enticing like the ring in a certain sense. And, And the ring and the throne are both destroyed by fire. There's multiple... Blackouts of endings. <laughs> <laughs> well, then also, like... It's bittersweet. I'm sympathetic to the general message of do-gooders being obsessed with justice and things like that and how it could just easily skew your vision. And Tyrion talks about it, how as she was doing these things to bad people, it was more and more promoting... Uh, but was she and, a do-gooder and, then? I, I did not see her as a do-gooder once she started doing that stuff. Well... Most people have been cheering for her until last episode. Right. So, do-gooders, not, not, not goody two-shoes good do-gooder, but some, somebody who wants to change the world. You know, like, when you, when you get people that, uh, just think they know what's best, that was a big thing in this. John's like, well, how do, how do we know? And, like, he's humble. And that's yeah. what I kind of subscribe to in my worldview of political philosophy or whatever. But Danny's like, no, we can change the world. We can create something new. That's never been existed, and it's hard to imagine something that's never existed before. You know, she's hitting all these kind of points. So thematically, but I like. But as if she's the, some omniscient god who knows better than everyone else, and they should just listen to her. I don't think it's terribly uncommon in the world, well, especially and, for Targaryens. I mean, on planet Earth. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So, so when I look at the overall themes, I liked it, but of course, there's so much clunkiness. Um, <laughs> A friend of mine put on Facebook the day after, he said, now that Game of Thrones is done, what would you have changed about it? And my my comment, I just copied it real quick, said, a lot of things we would matter didn't matter much. Beric and Jong being brought back from the dead, Jon's parentage, the Azor High prophecy, Kyburn's fascination with the White, the Lord of Light, Stannis' great victory in the snow, Bran being the three-eyed raven, his time travel, his warging, uh, Quaith and Karth, and in all caps I say, winter. I'd have made that 
the stuff that seemed like it was going to matter actually matter. <laughs> well, and so like we're going to do this podcast in two different ways here. First, we're going to talk about this episode specifically the way our podcasts normally go, and then we're going to talk about the season. So you just brought up a well, ton not, of stuff. not just the season, but the series. I, I the series. That's yeah. what I meant to say. Well, I guess season and series, but I meant to say series there. Yeah. Um, so a lot of stuff you just brought up there. We we are going to talk about in greater detail after the the episode. Uh, discussion uh, but just really quick I <laughs> I too made a little post an hour and a half before this final episode aired and I purposely did everything I could to avoid any spoilers I know there was some stuff out that you could potentially read about what was going to happen in the show and I made sure I didn't get exposed to any of it so I really had no idea what was going to happen Apparently they and, filmed three different finales, so I should go back and read what they were. Oh, I wonder okay. what they went with. But anyways, go ahead. Um, as a joke, I meant this completely as a joke because of how cynical I was about how this was going to go. I said my prediction from the Game of Thrones finale tonight, and I wrote, All surviving characters board Oceanic Flight 815 from King's Landing, crash in Pike, and wind up doing nothing because who cares? Despite John, who retreats to the north after depositing his aunt's dead body, she dies from a mysterious dragon aneurysm, in the narrow sea to become a wildling serial killer of Thens. He eventually dies of dire wolf rabies after ghost bites him accidentally upon a lackluster reunion. I'm only sharing this because I was kind of right <laughs> in my horrible joke of Dexter and Lost, <laughs> um, but... <laughs> It's sad that I actually was on point with a couple of these things for this episode, not actually meaning to be. Well, well, we did predict that, at least I did, I think we both did, that John, there's a not small probability he'd become a wildling. And I guess that's what happened at the end. We, we Maybe we shouldn't start at the end. Yeah, no, <laughs> we'll get there. So let's kind of go through a little bit. I remember saying this out loud to you as we watched it the first time on Sunday, that somehow Davos, John, and Tyrion all find each other to survey the wreckage of King's Landing. And they're all seeing it for the first time. And so it just, it was a little bit like, you guys all find each other and see this? Okay. Like, all right, small gripe. But I remember just thinking that and being like, all right. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things that's just so easy to explain away. They, they all walked to the predetermined meeting place or they all walked I don't think there the, was to one. the front of King's Landing or whatever yeah. it's yeah, I mean minor great right, but there yeah. I said in our last podcast that I thought it was going to be snow in the throne room turns out it was ash nope I correct myself again I was originally right it was snow so that snow that you and I keep talking about this elusive winter comes in in full vengeance in King's Landing and, and it actually was snow in that throne room for one episode yeah I did read that at least in the screenplay, it's referred to as snow. Yeah, that was definitely so, snow. Yeah. That was not ash anymore. This becomes more obvious as the show goes on, this episode. But I wrote, I think Tyrion agrees with Varys now. And I, I, I wrote that just down while he's surveying the wreckage. Which, again, Varys' death was so dumb. But I'll, that's all I'll say about that. But, yep, he's on board. Well, so one thing kind of on my long list of things that didn't actually end up mattering... Vari's letter writing or whatever he was doing right. didn't end up mattering. Yeah. And, I mean, we, we start to see Tyrion act like Tyrion again for the first time in seasons? I, a long time. And for me, it was a little too little too late. In what sense? That he's being the, the quote-unquote good guy again? Or what do you mean? No, because I think Tyrion hasn't ever been truly a good guy. 
he does a lot of despicable things. So I wouldn't agree with that statement. It's more of Tyrion being clever and on point and worth something. It just you're, you're talking about his conversation with John. No, I, I actually started to recognize him when he walks right up to Danny, knowing that she's going to imprison him for letting Jamie go. Uh, well, excuse me, kill him, and uh, throws his hand of the king thing down. The, that's a Tyrion move. That's when I was like, yeah, I recognize Tyrion again. He he said once, I drink and I know things. And he doesn't drink anymore, and he doesn't know things anymore for a long time for me. And, and this was the first time I was like, oh, I think he knows things again. Oh, he drinks. But not that much. It's not a huge point. He <laughs> did ask John if he brought some wine. <laughs> because he thought he was going to die. Yeah. This episode starts off with Tyrion walking through the wreckage and looking at just the tragedy that happened and then he finds his brother which I thought they did well like yeah. showing that tragedy yeah. of that one guy with almost no clothing very burned yeah. walking out like just Another completely traumatized corner. someone crying in the corner right and then just children and bodies and, and I, I kept thinking like the smell must just be so horrible and little, I really thought that they conveyed the carnage well yeah a little toy horse which I guess was a to remind us of Shireen for whatever reason Oh, and real quick, another Lord of the Rings reference. Was that Shadow Fags in the last episode that came for Arya? I don't know what Shadow Fags are. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like a race of something. It's a a horse character. Oh, yeah. So that horse, that that was another thing that was pointless. I guess just artistic license. They were there like, director, do something pretty at the end. And he was like, I'll put a horse. I, I think there was a lot of like homage paid to the Lord of the Rings movies and books in this. So like even when Danny gives her little speech, it, it kind of looks really similar to when Saruman, you know, two people like who've gone awry giving speeches to the, the hordes, but they're bad. But anyway. Well, yeah. as a Game of Thrones fan... At least until recently, I can tell you that I think <laughs> you the Lord still of, are, just not the ending. I tell you, I think the Lord of the Rings movies suck, so it's no surprise I don't know what the hell you're you talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, so Everybody just disregard Jay uh, there. So Tyrion is, is walking amongst the rubble, and he finds his brother and sister, and he does a nice little crying acting scene. He did a really good job there. That was a pretty touching scene. I did feel like it was a bit obvious. I'm like, he's going to find his hand. Yeah, he's going to find James right. which, okay. But just the way that they were holding each other. And Tyrion was sad when he saw Cersei, and I liked that. Yeah, and it it made them getting crumbled by the rocks a little more palatable to find them together in each other's arms and whatever. But whether that was the final straw for him to resign his hand, probably no, not. No, I, I think walking through. <laughs> one thing I somehow didn't notice the first time through is that Danny is addressing the crowd. There's there's a lot of imperial imagery, you know, the flag that's as big as a freaking castle that somebody created or has been carrying around. The dragon, the unsullied, who apparently still number in the thousands, looking like shock troopers. And uh, Danny's speech is in Valyrian. Somehow I, I missed that the first time through because you're reading it, right? And you're reading it in English. So John and Tyrion don't know what she was saying. Uh, the whole speech was in Valyrian. So it's just kind of... Interesting to reflect upon. Not not that her meaning was lost upon them, you know, but... Well, what happened to her telling the Dothraki that you can't rape and pillage? Like, I just... I'm confused. Well, it was a little... Um, world domination is a little over the top. 
we know from Arya going west that they the globe has not been circumnavigated. An easy way they could have done this is that Vari's letters go somewhere, and then Danny hears that Dorne is in rebellion. That she's like, "We're going to go liberate Dorne," and then we're going to go liberate. You know, when she was talking about the world, I was like, "All right, yeah. guys, we get it. We get it. Your but entire planet. She's going to take over." Everything happened so fast. It's like they swapped out real Danny with an identical evil twin sister. And everything just happens really fast, and we're supposed to assume it's the same person. I, I just there was no, this could have happened over several episodes of what you just described. Like to be clear, I have no problem with Danny going bad or becoming a tyrant. It's how it was done. It was so fast that there's these little pieces that would have clicked that just don't. Yeah, there's no way around it. It was rushed. There's there's absolutely no way around that. That's true. But I, like you said, the overall story I get, and I'm again I'm trying to kind of look at this from a from a bird's eye view and from a distance it's good but the more you get close the clunkier it is like the show overall is still great it's just this last season you almost kind of have to just forget a little bit no i mean from a dis like the themes are good yeah like danny becoming a tyrant yeah um well and, and like i said our last episode that i didn't really care about the starbucks cup and i guess there were two water bottles and the dragon's pit gathering here and like again to a certain extent i don't care i think it's what these things represent and what they represent is there was a ton of people who worked on this show especially at the end here they took a couple years to to give us this last season and no one caught that and what that represents is the fact that people weren't caring enough anymore to give us something solid and and i'm now on board with that it's something where like one of the things that kind of bothered me here is at the end of last episode, Arya looks awful. She is really beaten up. She's got a ton of ash on her face. She's basically got a white face and blood, and she looks pretty traumatized. And as she's walking towards Danny during this speech, she got a lot less dirty and a lot less bloody and a lot less traumatized really fast. And well, that's just a, a continuity thing where, come on. Yeah. You can do a little bit better with that. Yeah, they're yeah, Danny too. They're going for symbolism. Danny went from disheveled last episode to looking pretty again and very ornate. Lots of braids. Yeah, ornate braids in her hair. And uh, I was trying to remember. Like I think in the books, the Dothraki they didn't do it in the show. They just had like they would put like hair binders every couple inches for their hair. I think the books they braid the hair, and I thought I remember reading somewhere that. You know, the more braids that the Dothraki have symbolizes, like, the length and stuff of that. They, they've been undefeated in that. And if you look at Danny's hair throughout the series, she gets more and more braids the more that she conquers. And she's got a massive amount of braids here in this last episode. Yeah, whoever did that hair for her. Did a great <laughs> job. There, I mean, I mean not just... It's a wig, but it's great. I mean, not just the show producers, but, I mean, she had earlier seasons an assistant, like a... a whatever you call it, a friend that would do that. Like, not Miss Sandy, but the other girl. Oh, yeah, the doctor. Yeah, she had like a, like a chick that would do that shit for her. <laughs> and then now now she's all by herself. So whoever, I mean, in, in I the fantasy world. I think she still has that. those people, <laughs> maidens or yeah. servants even, but. <laughs> well, so, all right. So Danny, see, she gives her a speech in Valerian and they're cheering the Dothraki and the Unsullied are cheering and she is taking it in. She is enjoying this validation and this, mm-hmm. um, 
She hasn't gotten it for a while. Exactly. But she can only get it from her non Westerosi people. And some some good acting on Amelia Clark. She was Oh yeah, the acting is phenomenal. I I have no qualms about the acting here. But then Tyrion comes up and he resigns, and it was reminiscent of Ned resigning over Danny to King Robert. Ned said, We can't kill a child. I'm out of here. Over atrocities. Yeah. Or what they perceived to be. Well, no, it was it was over killing Danny. Right, which Ned perceived to be right. an atrocity. And Tyrion's atrocity is is burning an entire right. city. But that's yeah, the second hand resignation and yeah, he uh did the right thing. And John stands there. <laughs> John is dopey and doesn't know what's happening. L- looks Tyrion gives forlorn. him forlorn. Tyrion gives him the look. Um and then they meet in the, the prison. Now, one thing about... Well, really quick. I want to yeah. say something before you go there. I'm going to depart for a little bit from my criticisms and say a couple things I liked. I thought that the cinematography at times was phenomenal. Yeah. And I really enjoyed some of the shots with Drogon. First with Danny walking out with him with his wings. The Angel of Death. It's a little in your face, but I'll take it. It looked, it did look nice. But it looked yeah. good. You know, if... if that's a type of spectacle that I'm for. I also really, really liked John walking up to the wherever they were and Drogon and him looking at each other. Those were two noteworthy ones, but there were a couple other shots as well. Tyrion when he's crying and it's a, a top shot of him on, like you can see him and Jamie and Cersei. Yeah. Um, but it, just throughout the whole episode, there were many shots where I was like, damn, that's good. I like that. And then, um, and the music is literally is what I was about to say. He is, uh, I'm gonna butcher his name, I apologize, Rama Dijuani or whatever his name is. He is just so good, he's always been on point the entire series. Excellent music, you know. So, like, given so much disappointment in these other areas, it's so nice to feel so good. About you know the acting, some of these shots, the music. That's at least we get that. It's only the writing that lacks. Everything else delivers. Yeah. Tyrion is promptly arrested and taken to a nice big room. Now they did give us time to digest this conversation between Tyrion and John. Some people are probably like, "Oh, this is boring," but I, li- I liked it. it. Was I think it was like eight minutes or nine minutes of them just talking, and it was kind of this thematic philosophical discussion we have. I was a little surprised to see John is still defending Danny and still. I honestly you know, think that was just bad writing to dupe audiences to think that he won't do what he's about to do. I think they think they were being super clever and like, he's going to kill her, but they're going to think he's not. I didn't take it that way. I think John would be conflicted about such a thing. And it, to me, it, it seemed fine. It made sense. Yeah, but that, to me, still wasn't developed enough. His journey with this confliction of his love for her and what he's got to do. It just was too fast. But Tyrion makes the point that I'm extremely sympathetic to that I already mentioned. He says, wouldn't you kill whoever stood between you and paradise? That's essentially the message here. Danny wants to create paradise, and when you, you know, what's a little clever? Paradise for whom? Well, a theoretical paradise. Mm -hmm. Right. At the expense of whom? Right. I actually have a couple things that technically chronologically happen before this. So one of the things that was really, really difficult for me in this episode and extends to the last episode, The Bells, is Grey Worm. And 
he is not developed enough as a character for me to understand this huge shift in his character and his extreme emotional reaction and power that he has throughout the episode about this. I'm confused about the the emotional lability that he he has here with last episode and here when he's killing those Lannister those soldiers and how he has so much power throughout the episode against John where he like he gets his way and kills all those Lannister soldiers. It I, just I don't agree with you. I th- I think it makes sense. I mean, he's, he's the Unsullied's training doing handles like, this stuff, or they would not be the slaves that they were sold to be for thousands of years in, in Slaver's Bay. Their training prevents this. Prevents what? They're doing exactly this what she type said. of emotional reaction. He's killing them because she said to. I don't think so. He's killing them because he's really angry and he sees these people as killing Masandi. Yes, but it's also orders. John even tells Because Dan. he should be more robotic and be like, I'm just following my queen. But he is an angry dude this whole episode. I don't buy that at all. Uh, well, I have a lot of thing, things to say about Grey Worm. One, I think him slitting the Lannister troops was... Um, they did that to reinforce to us that it wasn't Danny's one moment of madness or one day of madness. It was... These are actual orders that... No, it, it's them. They dug a hole and they just kept on digging. It wasn't one moment. It was several moments after the one moment that was a one moment of madness. <laughs> However we want to phrase it. I'm saying it's ongoing. It's, it's Danny, this is a continuous thing. So the troops are defeated. John and Davos have an argument with, with Grey Worm, who's doing what he was ordered to do. So it wasn't his... Choice. I'm, I'm not saying. He but didn't we didn't know. even see the order. So this is where I'm like, I don't know. I would have liked to see that order to be able to be like, yep, you're right, at least on that. But nope, we don't see this order. All we see is her quickly change her mind, devastate the city, Grey Worm start massacring people. No. And he's just still doing more of the same. Maybe you're right. John I just says to, to her, Grey Worm is killing people in the streets. I, he- I think she supports it. She has no qualms with it. I thought he was so wonderful in The Long Night and the way that he defended the world against this horrible foe, how he sacrificed a lot of his, for lack of a better term, brothers to save all the people. I loved The Unsullied and and what they stood for and represent literally and figuratively in that episode. And that just kind of went flat for me here of how things were handled and they're I think my main thing with this, and you don't have to agree, is there was just no arc to Grey Worm to have this make sense for me. I'm not saying that I couldn't ever buy it, but you just had to show me well, and they didn't. There wasn't that arc. It, it completely defies. It's like Varys not being better about his survival. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I just 100% disagree with you. I think that, that Grey Worm... They've been since season five when he started falling in love with Mandy. They started, uh, Masandi. They started showing that he's not just an automaton. He's not just a robot. He's somebody with caring emotions and everything. But I have to say again, killing those troops in this episode tonight, slitting the throats was Danny's orders because John confronts her on it and she says it had to be done. So we know for sure that that was the case. And then not only that, Grey Worm shows a lot of restraint. 
and not killing John. We didn't get to see that scene, and I think it was easier to not show us. He is essentially at the by the by the time the Great Council comes around, Grey Worm is essentially a military dictator. Yeah, showing a lot of restraint. He could do any number of things, including killing Tyrion and John at his pleasure. You can't just say this because he's an unsullied. Like, sure, they didn't show us any of that. So, and like, don't get me wrong, they showed back in Marine that the unsullied are more than automatons with how they still like to, like, they would hire prostitutes just to cuddle with them, essentially, showing this aspect of humanity still with them. However, be consistent. It's my cons- my my criticism of the dragons. They're really awesome, and then they're not that badass. And they're really awesome, and then they're not that badass. The Unsullied, they do the same thing. They show this in the long night. They show us how amazing and steadfast they are when everybody else shows fear, cannot cope, and they do it. And then here, they just all lost their minds, including Grey Worm. It's just the lack of consistency that I'm having a problem with. Show it to me right, I could probably buy it. Yeah, I just don't agree. But on top of that, I guess my main complaint about the Grey Worm arc is that for two episodes now, they were hinting that there was going to be a confrontation between John and Grey Worm, which didn't happen. Right. So they're they're building up a kind of fake fight, which I guess is a little annoying. But as far as everything else, I, yeah, I just see it different. The other thing I was going to say here is why didn't Danny kill Tyrion immediately? This did not make sense to me. That's not her her, her typical way. They killed Varys pretty much right away. The Lannister army survivors are killed right away. So there's precedence literally in this episode and the one before. And yet, oh, Tyrion, we're just going to put you in a room for a little bit. Well, we don't know that they killed Varys right away. It's not like they walked into the room and slit his throat. But I think once she found out, that went down. You know, they took him outside. They gathered everybody, whatever. I mean, I, I guess I kind of agree with you, but I kind of, I don't know. It just doesn't matter to me. It's... um. Okay, so we, we go back here. We're talking about Tyrion and Jon um, and the conversation that they're having here. We, we get the Tyrion that does what Tyrion does very well. and Well, I think there's an interesting way to look at that is that on the one hand, he's listing all the reason, reasons that Jon needs to do the right thing because Danny's actually a tyrant, yada, yada. But on the flip side, if you wanted to take a more cynical view, he's also just doing what he's always done, which is talk other people into saving him. If you want to look at it that way, he lists all these reasons that John needs to kill Danny. And yeah, maybe for the greater good, but if we go back to season one where he talked the Mountain Clan out of killing him and then he talked um, uh, Bronn into saving him and then... Just for clarification's sake, because there's a character called the Mountain, you're talking about... The Mountain Clans. Yes, on the way to the Airy. Yeah. Right, yeah. The, yeah the, I knew what you were talking about. The Viking-looking about, people, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so if you could look at it more single-dimensional than he's doing the right thing. It could also just be he's saving his own ass thing. And I he, think there's room he, for both. He's talking in the scene that he doesn't care anymore if he dies. He knows. He basically says, I made these decisions. I did these acts. I deserve to die. The people of King's Landing didn't. I know, but he's also saying, oh, you're the one person in the world that knows what it's like where I'm going. And, ooh, boo-hoo, my friend Varys was killed. I, I, I didn't take it that way. I, I know. i just saying there's room for both. But it's... Yeah. I know. mean, but if that's what you think, I, I don't take it that way. I disagree. No, I, um, I mostly take it that he's actually just saying what had to be said to get Danny stopped. But. And I'm honestly surprised he asked for wine and not a woman. 
Because when he's asked about how he wants to die, it's not drinking a glass of <laughs> That's wine. That's true. Jamie got what he wanted, but Tyrion wasn't going to. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah. Um, when I hear John saying, though, so they're talking, and you're not, you're not really seeing John being swayed, but when I heard him say, love is the death of duty, that's when I knew he was going to definitely kill her. I said last week, or the last uh, podcast, that he was going to kill her. But going into this, I prepared myself for the worst. And I spent time thinking of the worst possible scenarios of how this series could end just to be prepared, um, including him not killing her, like a bunch of other ways of how this could have gone. But that was a moment where I'm like, he's going he's gonna to definitely kill her. I don't know when this is going to happen, but he's going to definitely kill her. I liked, I guess, that how they brought the Night's Watch things back into place. So he says, love is the death of duty, which is what was told to him by Aemon Targaryen, which... Is good. That's that's good. Even Targaryen also said something like, "It's a bad thing when a Targaryen's alone in the world." I'm not quoting that exactly, but along those lines. Yeah. But I, I just like that they were quoting Aemon Targaryen here. There's there's kind of a little bit full circle some things there. And then when uh, Tyrion says, "You are the the shield that that guards the realms of men." Yeah, I didn't really like that part because I feel like it's been overused. But I agree with everything else. No, because he's getting John back in touch with who he right. really he's is. He's manipulating him. Correct. And and so this is one of my my criticisms here is that Tyrion's talking to him and John just looks like the most gullible fool, <laughs> like the biggest blockhead in the world of like he's just a marionette. Don't let and, me forget just, about what I have to say about John, but I just want to make a different point. But yeah, good. But I I just hated that because John's character is so much better than this. And they made him look just like such a gullible fool. <laughs> yeah, just dopey. But, well, and going back to what you said about love is the death of duty, I also like that they inverted that and they said duty is the death of love because for John to fulfill his duty, he has to kill the, the one he loves or loved a couple episodes ago. <laughs> well, and, and no, I think he loves her. I think that is something that never ended. And, and one thing that happened between when we watched this on Sunday and watching it again today on Thursday is the first time watching it when Tyrion said that he loved her too, just not as well as John. I took it as he loved her the way that like Jor, not Jor, but no, no, definitely not Jor. Barristan, yeah, loved her. Yes, Barristan Re- is respect, a good example. Respect, love. And this time, I actually took it as the way Jorah loved her because well, I it reminded me of the season finale of last year. Of yeah. Why does he look at? Look at the door when they're having sex. So funny. Yeah, they had a really bizarre scene where John goes to Danny's cabin on the ship and Tyrion's looking all sulky outside. And and this was the first time where I was like, oh, I think he means he actually loves her too. He couldn't love her the same way as John. He's basically another Jorah. But just, and that adds yeah. more context to this love yeah. the death of duty. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Which leads me back to the... the ugh, this is a book thing. I shouldn't even get into it, but the... The three betrayals that Danny's going to get. Eh, we don't even have to go into it. <laughs> no, I mean, you can bring it up when we talk about the series, but I, I think bring it up with the series. It's a yeah. good thing there. Yeah, we might have to do a bonus episode. Even though Tyrion is appealing to the Night's Watch words and all that stuff, I think the real trump card when he says, and what about your sisters? Yes. You yeah. know, that, that was definitely the move that made John reconsider and... There's some parallels here with Varys and Ned. When they're talking, when Ned is locked up in the Black Cells, Varys says something along the lines of, 
his daughters, whatever. And Ned decides to cave. He decides to lie to protect Sansa and Arya. Yeah. That's a great parallel, though. Yeah. Yeah. This is... Because the same thing happens. John caves to protect his yeah. family. The same way that he tells them about being a Targaryen, I think that's what sways him. John really is his uncle's nephew. I, I like to think of John as... It's almost like we get Ned twice. We get Ned in the first couple seasons, and then we get a younger Ned in the I next fully agree. Seasons. And when we talk about the series... I will get into why I hate how John's ending went for me. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. My biggest criticism about John this season... Other than being a dopey fool. He's a dopey fool. He... For a, a great character. Well... Like it, that his character wasn't... It's not exactly clear who the star of this show is. If it's Tyrion or John or Danny or somebody else. And I don't really mind that per se, but for... Let's say the star, who is John, he had very little agency this season. Basically, he had to make two big decisions. He had to decide whether to tell his family who he is, and he had to decide whether to kill Danny. And that's not nothing. But in the the long night, he's like kind of stuck. He's not able to get to the battle where he wants to. And then in the bells, the big battle at King's Landing, he's basically just like any other soldier. He's along for the ride. Yeah, no one He's, listens to him. Yeah, there's, there's things happening that are outside his control. And then in this episode, he's the only one that could kill Danny and everything. So I guess he, he did have agency. He had to make that choice. But it's also He's not like, the only one who could have killed Danny. Well, sort of, because he got by Drogon. And That's a writing thing. Drogon's not by her all the time. No. But it's almost... I feel very confident that Drogon they had that stare down not stare down but where they looked at each other when Drogon woke up and they walked by each other if that were not John, I don't think it would have got by that's what I took was the point of that scene I agree but because they wrote it that way well of course but they wrote it's like in, in Avengers all words are made up <laughs> yes but but you were giving criticisms of the long night and I was basically saying the same thing back to you and you're like because they wrote it that way no. When you were saying, like, Barrack dying over and over again, why couldn't he just die once? And I was like, I think they were trying to show this. You're like, yes, because they wrote it that but way. But it makes perfect sense like, that John would have to be the one to get by Drogon versus Arya, unless Arya snuck by. But Arya couldn't walk by. And then Dro- right, but- Drogon also... There's, there's a lot of implications of John being the killer and how, how Drogon fits into that, both before and after. Yes, but only because they specifically wrote it that way. There's several times in the television series in which Drogon has gone off hunting or doing his own thing and not around Danny. And like all of a sudden he's around her like a second shadow. No, no, but if the circumstances were similar, she just killed 500,000 people or whatever. It's not unreasonable to think that Drogon would be watching out for her in that moment. I disagree because he comes when she's in the pit and Marine and she rides him for the first time and that all happens, and then he basically drops her off and flies off, and she's abducted by the Dothraki, and he doesn't help her out at all. She has to use the fact that she's immune to fire to come out of that one. We don't see Drogon for a long time. You would think that he would defend his mistress after fleeing the Well, the call, it, call it, it's the writing, of course, everything is the writing, but they had that stare down where John and Drogon met, and Drogon chose to let him by. So I think that that right. there's and, significance and, to that, and, and well, and I think there's even greater significance when Drogon doesn't kill him 
when he kills Danny. Right, yes, of, of course. And none of these things would apply to any other character is the only point I'm making. I guess, but I don't... Like, I will talk about it more in my criticism of the series. But no. I think anyone could have killed Danny. I mean, not anyone. I think a lot of people could have, over time... Maybe not in that exact yes, moment. Yes, under different circumstances, anybody could have killed she, she could have is fallen. a badass, stealthy assassin that there's precedent for that. I mean, yeah. She could have done it. Danny could have fallen out of her bed and hit her head and died. But, but I mean, it's the same logic that we, we use to accept that Arya killed the Night's King. I never accepted it as bullshit. It was, well, you should talk yeah. about that in our series wrap yeah. up then. But, but you, <laughs> you have to get my point that it's no different. Why would Arya? Because she's this stealthy assassin with all these abilities. If she can kill the Night's King, she can definitely kill Danny. Well, so, all right. So I guess you're agreeing with me that John basically had no agency at all. And he didn't show it could, much. Could have been anything. Well, he, he had to make the two decisions. That's the only agency he had. But I think for the most part, he was just along for the ride, which is weird for your main star of a story. You know? I, they made him look. Too meek and gullible and dopey for me, and I really love his character. He's one of my favorite characters in the in this series, and I don't like how he was. Well, it's par, par for the course for him to be that way. It's no, I think when he the beginning of his arc, yes, but at this point, absolutely not. When is he shown otherwise? When he's king of the north and he first meets Danny, and he's like, "Look, I'm not going to bow to you." But then he does. He does when he thinks he sees her for the better good and what she brings to the world. But at first, no. Yeah, I think that's par for the course. And they fell in love. Yeah, he's a gull- And there's the, there's the death of duty. He's a gullible, honorable character, just like Ned. That's what he is. And it's fine. It's, that's not necessarily bad. It's just but weird. Ned get, has you know. some more... Well, he's a younger version. <laughs> guess I, I guess because Ned has some pretty like Ned is a badass on the field. He's a, a really good warrior. Yeah, so is John. I would argue. Ned is not this easily influenced character the way John was portrayed here when he was that age. Yeah, I, I mean I don't know. He gets taken for a ride in King's Landing and older. I'm talking young Ned, like the equivalent of John's age. Probably, but yeah, probably been. So when he's fighting daughter. Robert's rebellion and at the Tower of Joy and takes John and marries uh, Catelyn and all of that stuff, he doesn't seem like this big a fool that that John now is. I mean, I agree that John looks kind of like a dope. I just don't think he's never not looked like a dope exactly. I do. He's always I, he's like me. I think he's not you know, looked like a dope at times for sure. I think when he was the the um, the commander of the Night's Watch? I think when he was going up against Mance Raider. I think when he kills Mance. Yeah, that's, I don't know. But anyway, so he, so Drogon lets him pass, and he gives Danny another shot. He wants to be talked out of what he knows he has to do, right? So he he right away is saying it's another shot that I really liked where. At first, when she's approaching the throne, there's nobody behind her. Then she touches it, which is what she didn't do in her vision in Karth. Yeah. And then when they show the same shot again, you see John blurry in the background. But the vision in Karth did end at the same point. And that's when... No, she she pulls her hand away. She doesn't touch the throne. No, I know. I know. But at that moment, she hears the crying from uh, Khal Drogo and their unborn child that's now a baby. So... I think we we can take from it that after John kills her, she's 
reunited with Drogo and the baby. I actually take it as at that point in her life, she is not fully taken by the power of the throne yet and by power. And she's still compelled by things like loyalty and family and love. Where here, when she actually touches the throne, it shows that she is too far gone. Yeah. But yeah, so John shows up and tries to, um, have you seen what's out there? Do you know what Grey Worm's doing? I what feel a- really unsure about this. Yeah. I don't about- have the certainty you do. What about the children? What about, <laughs> what about, yeah, the, what children? about the children? What about, what if we're not right? You know, the humility I talked about. All legit concerns. Everything is right. And he's trying to give her a second chance or whatever you want to call it. He's trying to not do this. But she is committed to her vision of changing the world and she knows what's right. And Which in some ways is no different from the Danny we've seen in Slaver's Bay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's why I've been saying for years she would But do, here's do the this. thing. For John to kill her, Given the fact that he loves her, and given these characters and what they represent in this series, this happened way too fast. His switchover from a quick discussion with Tyrion, I get that the whole, the Bells plays a role in this, but this happened way too fast for me. He could have talked to her a little bit more before he's like, "Mm, I'm going to end this all. He would have had another opportunity to kill her. It's not like this is the only time he would be close to her. I know that they were trying to set up a little bit the way Arya is like, you're always going to be a threat to her. And it's like, no, in this moment still, he had plenty of time before he he became too much of a threat to Danny, where she kills him because he's Targaryen. She actually views it quite the opposite of because we're Targaryens, we're meant together. It's destiny. I wanted to see this drawn out a little bit more. This was way too fast. I feel like Danny's character deserved more than than this. Like, time-wise. The ending would have been the same, but time-wise. I guess I didn't really mind it, but also just because it went exactly as I thought it would. So maybe I'd, my expectations were just met. So it didn't really bother me. Um, it bothered me a lot. But she, I think they gave her ample material to show that she's too far gone. So he had... He, ample material in a really fast time frame of two episodes. Yeah, of course. It was rushed. The, Everything I say comes with the caveat that it was rushed. So keep that in mind. But I think that he had to make that choice then. He didn't have to do it then technically, but it was the right choice to make at that time. And it was a little shady the way he was kissing her and tricking her into it, I guess. I don't know. It makes her look much more pathetic as a female ruler Compared to a lot of the male rulers, that that's how she goes out. Well, that's how Bruce Bolton went out, <laughs> without the kissing. But that's my point. But he thought he was embracing a love, not romantic love, but his son, you know. Um, but comparing Bruce to Danny, I, I think just, if anything, it makes John look bad, because he's the one that could have done it like a man and challenged th- her to a duel This is more an, an overall criticism, surprise, surprise, of the writing, where the way that they are making Danny's character look is pathetic. They did it to Cersei last episode with her death and how she handled her death and how she just wanted to be in the arms of a man she loves, I think I like, the showrunner like, said. Yeah, I don't know. But I, it's making... Some of the very, very strong, even if evil or tyrannical women in this series look like tropes. 
they deserved better. Um, well, I mean, by the time Cersei she's, sees Jamie, everything is lost to her at that point. So she is just has an emotional outburst of feeling. How would you feel if Robert Baratheon had an emotional outburst, or even better, Stannis? How would you feel if he had an emotional outburst after killing Shireen and almost dying? Wouldn't that bother you? It depends on if it's consistent with the character or not. That's my point. I, I thought... Cer- I don't think Cersei's was consistent at all with oh, that. I thought it was totally fine. No, they, they made her... What do you think she would have done? I don't know. I I think she would have handled the ending a little bit better. I really do. Like every- She was made of sterner stuff. And she... Everything was lost to her. And then... So she just gave up. No, she didn't give up. She, everything was lost to her, and then Jamie showed up, and she had an emotional reaction to seeing him. And she needed her man to calm her down. Well, okay. I I guess that's just how you feel and how I feel, and it's not the same. <laughs> yeah, I, and, and that's fine. I have no problem with people disagreeing on this. I'm just saying two of the, like the, the strongest female characters in terms of just strength, not good, evil, that, that whole paradigm there. Cersei and, and Danny were, were huge here, and the way that they were written in this final season and these last few episodes. So what was wrong with Danny, aside from being rushed with the way she was killed? What's your feminist beef about that? Well, <laughs> <laughs> there'll be more of the feminism thing coming here, and I think I have a good point, and, and but how Danny's killed when she's kissing John. Yeah, he was... It couldn't I, have been some sort of battle of some kind. It reflects worse on John than on her. But she, my, my she same point, how would dupes. you feel if, if Stannis was making out with someone and that's how he dies? Well, if it was Melisandre, it would make sense if she killed him in that moment. Because no, let's say it wasn't Melisandre. Let's say Stannis is kissing a woman and that's how he dies. But it's, if it's consistent with the character. that's So Stannis would never kiss another woman is the, the difference. Well, so, and, and here Danny has been rejected by John multiple times when they're on the top after she gives her speech. She looks at John and just walks away. But now she's all like, yeah, us. I mean, they could have fought and John could have beat her in a fight, which would have been really awkward. Or she could have had a protector like Grey Worm, which is what I thought was going to happen. And then she could have got killed then like a helpless being after the man couldn't protect her. Like, But she still looks helpless, I think is my point. Yeah, the, she and need, Danny was way more. If John is coming to way kill her, more than that, Danny has always relied on protectors. If John is the only, she has not. The only time she didn't is when she's fireproof. Are, are you including dragons with protectors? Yes, yes. When because she's the only time she didn't is because she's fireproof, which is plot armor to take out the Dothraki. But she's always relied on Jorah, Barristan, dragons, Grey Worm, whatever. So if John, if John was going to kill her in that moment, she could do nothing. Except for get someone else to protect her. I disagree. What could she do? And and saying that except for the fire armor, she didn't know it would work again. And in the books, yes, she did. She only gets it one time. So that's not made clear in the show that she gets infinite fire immunity. Well, I, I thought it was a lame thing that they did in the show with that, but and I remember you thinking that. But my point is, is her character didn't know she'd survive again. Yes, she did. She grabbed the thing holding all the fire, and it did not burn her. I hand. think she hoped she would survive. <laughs> Well, 
Okay, tell me how she could defeat John. In the books. In that moment. Couldn't you see the same Danny trying again because she survived once before? But George R. R. Martin has said, no, this was a one-time deal. So how could she defeat John in that moment if he's going to kill her? Well, she wouldn't, and that's how he'd win. You think that would have been better television of her helplessly fighting? Then her being all like, you know, her pupils as hearts, and I love you, let's rule the world together, and let's kiss and embrace, and then you... I could maybe accept the kissing and the killing if it was a better lead up. Again, writing, writing, writing. I just need it given to me better. Because I could get the tragic nature of that, but it needed to be done better. And I just, this is the only way I could take it right now because it was done so poorly. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think it reflects worse on him because he tricked her and was shady about it. I guess it depends on how you want to define trick. I think he meant everything that he was doing. Well... <laughs> Because he was going to be tricking her up until the point that that sword went into her heart. Well, I think Whether he's kissing her or not, or saying you're my queen or not, until he's like, I'm going to kill you now, get ready. It was all going to be a trick. But he meant it all, it's just... I think the trick came in the last five seconds when she said, they don't get to choose, when he asked, what about all the other people? And that's just referencing his, his conversation with Tyrion five minutes earlier, where Tyrion says, you get to choose. And that's when it clicks on in his brain because he's a dopey little marionette of like, oh, I do get to choose, so I'm going to choose now. Boom. Yeah. So, but I, like I said, I, he was giving Danny ways out, and she was so far gone that he realized he had to do it. So he just yeah. But even in the language that you're talking about, there, he was giving her ways out. Like they're equals. So um, it, it, it denotes that he has more power. He's given her ways out. Yeah, because he went there either to kill her or to not kill her. She was no. I think he went whatever. there to kill her. Yeah, but my point, yes, even if he went there with a bias toward killing her, he could have been persuaded in that moment, or else. Well, they could have shown that to or us. Else, I don't. That's know. the way I take. They did show that to us. All right, you can take it that way, and <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. Maybe that is the case. I didn't see that, and I needed to see it better. They just needed to show me more here. I, 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 too much of this happened way too fast. There's just too much for interpretation. Yeah. Well, then the dragon shows up. And I liked this scene. A lot of people didn't. But I liked it. Well, was he like super smart and is like, this throne just makes people go crazy, so I'm going to burn it? Or was he just kind of like, I'm confused who actually killed Danny? Well, I think it so was... So I'm going to... Do this thing because it's pointing and John is standing there. I think it was both. One, in the books, they say that dragons are potentially extremely smart, as smart as humans, maybe. So I think he was very emotional and mad, which was maybe the first outburst. And then the second outburst was more targeted toward the Iron Throne as this Lord of the Rings thing that caused the ultimate demise of Danny. I... I liked it, but a lot of people didn't, and whatever, I, I get that. If you didn't like it, that's fine, but I thought it was good. I thought that the CGI was good. I thought that the dragon acting, whatever you want to call it, was good. <laughs> Way to go, dragon. And there was Drogon. Pa- <laughs> and there was parallels when John, John looked the same. I, I think I'd see why now they had him against Viserion in The Long Night. It was uh, the same imagery. You know, like this big thing that John had it's to confront. It's actually, you've seen him do this several other times in the series when he thinks he's about to die. You look on his face. He thinks he's about to die by Drogon and he's ready. Yeah. He thinks he's deserved it and this is his rightful punishment and he's ready. Yeah, he's re- ready to accept his fate. And that's one thing about John is 
he's always been ready to accept his fate. So and he deserves so much better. So um, so yeah. So the parallels between Drogon and Viserion this season were fine, and melting the Iron Throne. I guess there's a little bit of irony in there because Iron Throne was created by Balerion the Dread, melting all the swords together after King Aegon took it. So I didn't have a problem with it. I liked it. Yeah, and, and honestly, I, I'm neutral on that one. I wasn't like I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. And then... Well, so I guess really quickly to the end then, that's what I needed was the end then. So this is another thing where I would have really liked to see the aftermath after John kills Danny, before those weeks that go by and we see Tyrion <laughs> with the biggest beard ever being brought for an assortment of people. This is, again, very just stupid and lazy writing. The There's time, so much yeah. good story there that we could have seen. The passage of time was an interesting artistic choice. And it was pretty lazy. And again, there's this dopey John story. You just kind of like you have to assume that he just goes, "Hey, where were my her? Yeah, well, that's what John would do. He would own up to it. <sighs> yes, but show us him doing that. Tyrion even said last season, "Would it kill you to lie a little bit?" You know, and well, but there's arcs to these characters where they get better. No, Sansa was told over and over and over again, "Learn how to be better at this. Play the game," and she does. Yeah, but John is been all these seasons he keeps getting leadership pushed onto him and all this stuff and that doesn't happen necessarily to people who lie and do all these bad things so it's like the fact that he is maybe uh, naively or stupidly or stubbornly honest person is maybe why he gets so much of this like stuff that people like him and and everything And, and again I just wanted to see it there was no reason they had to like they didn't even fade to black. It was just boom, boom, boom. And you're like, hey, look at Tyrion's beard. And it's like, wait a minute. A lot of time just went by. Well, they had to do it because either the Dothraki would be the one to discover and they would kill him right away. Or... No one saw Drogon leaving with her and her uh, his claws? Well, maybe they did. Maybe they walked right up there at that moment. And But I'm just saying the Dothraki would have killed him on the spot. Or Grey Worm would have found him and had to have had a little bit of a... Uh, change in the way they're interpreting him because huge one eighty right. So that's that's why they skipped ahead. I think and uh, well skip, because they maybe knew that they were writing really bad and they couldn't cover it up at this point. And a skip ahead had to happen as far as the logistics of Sansa having thousands of Northmen outside the castle and and everything like that. But it skipped ahead. I thought it was kind of lame, and so did you. And it, it was lame. <laughs> But lame. Yes, but it skips ahead, and they have this great council, which is not that great. It's like nine people. Well, and a bunch of the people there, do they really, in terms of who's there, I'm not saying I think this, but the people there who would think it, do they deserve to be there? Well, yeah. Who else would it be? Those are the lords. No. It's the show bringing us all our characters and some lords. So, Sam, Brienne, Davos, the, both Stark girls, or maybe Sam's well, deserves Sam, to be there. Sam is the head of House Tarly. And and Davos, or sorry, Brienne is maybe the head of Tarth. Maybe. No, what, what um, happened to Brienne's father? Maybe he had a heart attack. It's been a few weeks. But yeah, Brienne and Davos, and Davos even says, "I don't know if I get a vote." And it's like, yeah, that's a but good he question. Still speaks because like he who the hell are you? Yeah. He's like a moderator. Uh, the area was represented. The Stormlands were represented. The Riverlands were represented. The um, I guess Tarth represented the Riverlands. Edmure. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It, who represented the Reach? What's the Reach? 
Braun. Oh, well, that was Tarly, I think. Um, oh. That was Sam. And then Dorn was there. I mean, the, the right people were there. It was just pretty small and a little Dragonstone. whatever. Well, Storm's End. Storm's End, yeah. Uh, fucking guy. Gendry was there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Yeah. Okay. They, they put everybody there that was supposed to be there. Dragonstone is the Stormlands. But it, w- it looked a little weak and... Man. Yeah, so, well, all right, before we get to that. <laughs> so they go out there and we see Grey Worm is a military dictator, but he's ruling with restraint. And I'm rolling my eyes just so everyone knows. Oh, good. Not to, no, you, no, you no, lead, no, no, no. Not to what you said, but just to what. I know, but. The fact that this was the case. You lead the story for where it should go from here. You have no. more notes than I do. No, 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 you're, you're right. I'm, I'm only rolling my eyes of, like, where did Grey Worm get this? I, well, it makes perfect sense. Danny said he was the leader of all of the everybody, and after she died... But then they lost their consistency. He's like, you don't get to speak, but then I'm going to let you speak and speak and speak and nominate a king, and that king makes decisions, and I don't like any of this, and I'll just go away. Yeah, I mean... It's all dumb. Well... Assuming that somebody's in charge of the Unsullied at that point, who's the strongest Who seems to have a vote equivalent to all... Like, he's like 50%, and then Westeros is like 50%. Yeah, because he could kill Tyrion and Jon and go to war with these people. He's the dictator of the strongest force in the Seven Kingdoms. Well... To my earlier point, they just should have shown it to me how Tyr- how Grey Worm got this authority like that just better. Not just with a couple of words of Danny saying this, blah, 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 blah. It just, it was too fast. Yeah, I... And his arc, I just, I missed that. I think leadership, if it's going to fall on somebody, there's zero people we know by name left in the Unsullied or the Dothraki. It had to fall to him. And, and here's the thing. Maybe if he wasn't so emotional about it, I could have handled all this better. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. But anyway, so he so brings Tyrion out for whatever reason, and they have a little meeting, and they decide that some weak form of democracy is <laughs> the appropriate no, no, no. thing to do. Here's the thing. One of the things I did really like about this episode was when Sam suggests true democracy. That everybody votes for, and they shoot it down. And they're like, "I should ask my dog. I'll go yeah. ask my horse." And I just, I thought it was super funny yeah. how they did that. And they they opt for a republic. No, Royce, Royce, whatever his name is, saying saying, "I'll just ask my horse." That was funny. <laughs> but the the main point is that what Tyrion said. This is the wheel that Danny broke. Yeah, Tyrion again. So this is an, ele- an elected. Semi-democratic form of monarchy is what we got here, which it's not like in real life. I mean, it's, it, we it's, went from blood monarchy to democracy overnight, and it's not like democracy is fucking that awesome, anyways. But, but. we're a democratic republic. We're not a democracy, yeah, right. and, and I'm talking about the United States here. Yeah. But like, this is you're calling a monarchy. This felt like a republic to me. Right, but they're still saying king and... I mean, I I, I guess none of the citizens voted for their house leaders, so I guess I don't know what that makes this. But essentially, 
there's there's people who represent the people, which are the people who are in this collective, and they voted for someone. I'm like, we got a republic. Right, but it's implied that the leader is for life and is king now. So after Bran dies, they will then do this again. Yeah. but It's, it's like a pope. Right, but it's not like every four years or whatever. Yeah. A lot of people were complaining and scoffing and rolling their eyes at Tyrion's logic and... I thought his logic was sound. This whole story has been about... It's how it happens. We're spoon-fed it with the exact right words and the exact right way from a guy who has not done anything for seasons. Why does he all of a sudden, especially with Grey Worm being everything that you say he is, having the authority that he does, suddenly give him all this space to say all this stuff? Well... (laughs) So the story's always been about what is the nature of power, and they've oscillated between military power, or the things Tyrion said, flags, and whatever. Who has money? And he proposes that stories, and I, I think they could have put it better and said myths, are a place of power. And I think he's correct. I have zero problem with him making that argument. seems to bother a lot of people. But, but he's like the ultimate master of whispers. He knows everything about everybody. Of course that's power. Or he could know everything about Brand everybody. Mean. Yeah. Right, but... It's not stories. They could have elected somebody else, in theory. But what what what, what do people unite around? They unite around uh, mythos, is that the word? Or ethos? Like, when you think about the founding fathers, we all have these icons in our head that are typically much different than reality. Or if you think about religion, like Jesus... There's a story of Jesus that's probably quite a bit different than the reality of whatever might or might not have been about Jesus. So people do rally around stories and myths and I don't know like if that. this is splitting hairs, but I would offer it's more about meaning than stories because you can have the same story, take the Bible, and, and thousands of millions of people are going to interpret it differently. It comes down to meaning, not stories. Yeah, that's what I meant by mythos or mythology or ethos is different but we can go with that but my only point is that people are like oh what Tyrion said is so stupid and I just don't agree I think that the world actually does unite around stories it was just not so well stated but the for the general like I'm saying from a meta narrative of what I'm looking at for themes I thought it was pretty solid but Bran I thought was stupid yeah, I, what better story than some other people there? Well, right, and Bran also... He's like, so, I, I agree with you, by the way. I, I agree with you that I could buy the storyline. I don't like how fast it happened and the way that we were given it from a character in that way. Not that it couldn't come from Tyrion. It's just how it all came together. It was sloppily done. But I could handle the, the, the whole, what you're saying, of the logic of stories. I just... <laughs> Bran did not have the best story. Bran... Is so ambiguous, we don't even know what uh, he means or who he is. And we shall talk more about it about our serious criticism. Yeah, I mean, we can... Like, I have more to say on that. I just... Let's get that to the serious part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his election here, I think, is pretty germane. But it just didn't... But not who Brain is overall and how they're... No, but we don't know who he is. It's my only point. You're right. electing this person, and he's said multiple times, he's not Bran anymore, he lives mm-hmm. in the past. So we don't know... What he is or who he is or what his motivation no, he, is. He, he lives all over time. And the other thing that bothered me is that 
The whole reason, apparently, for the Night King wanting to kill him is that Bran's like Mr. Encyclopedia and he represents the memories of the world. But it's like, we can't relate to that on planet Earth because we don't have a Bran, and yet we still are okay. So it doesn't seem that pivotal to me that he would I agree. be taken out. Yeah, so the election of Bran just seemed weird and not built up at all. and Went over so easily. Yeah, yeah, everybody... Nobody even knows him there except for Sansa and Arya, and they still don't even know who the hell he is. And then he's like, will you accept it or whatever? And he's like, why do you think I came all this way? And then you're like, what? What does that mean? Was this was this a nefarious plan? Like, he manipulated a lot of things to get to this point. He gave Arya the dagger that killed the Night King. He told Sam that he had to tell Jon, and then all this stuff. So was this all, like, in Brand? Like, was Brand manipulating this situation? You're covering, actually, like, two things that I have as separate points here. And and one of them... Sorry, it's big city living. Good. So you're covering actually two things here uh, of what I had had kind of thought about here with this episode. And, like, one with, like, Tyrion nominating Bran. Tyrion has no idea who Bran is. And this part of what you're saying is we have no idea who Bran is. Because he's not Bran anymore. So Tyrion nominating someone that he knows actually so little about is a big problem. Because I think he thinks he's nominating Brandon Stark... Who has some abilities. That is not who Bran is anymore. So, point Well, one. they did have that one conversation in the night before the long night that they didn't never referenced again. So, we don't know what and, Bran and, told And that should Tyrion. have been a pretty big conversation that we should have been privy to. Here. So, did Bran tell him, like, well, if everything goes well, you should nominate me for the whatever. Yeah, well, it was just bizarre. We should have been privy to that, but we should have been privy to something more that happened between the two of them that could make this make any sense but to your second point here Bran says why do you think I came all the way down here because he says that after like Tyrion's like I know you don't want this blah 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 and my first interpretation is no you do want this and you've been manipulating everyone including your siblings and John, which is what makes him so no different from anyone else just this huge ma- master manipulator. He's a little finger at best. Like 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 the best little finger. He's the best Varys because he won and he got there. But also I, I interpreted the second watch as also, no, he doesn't want to be here. But because he can see the future and he's the three-eyed raven, he knows he needs to be here because he has to be the one to do this. So he still doesn't want it. He just knows that he has to. Like, he's reluctant the same way John is. Like, John becomes leader over and over again, doesn't want to, but he actually becomes it. Maybe that's, like, Bran just knew he would because he's got these powers. What's funny is how, how in your face they are with some things. Like, Danny's bent on world domination, and she gets the angel of death wings in a scene. But then with Bran, you're like... What does it mean? Like, like they're, they're so in your face on the one hand and then so extremely vague on the other. Like, we could interpret brand in 700 different ways. And they, well, they could all be equally as, so as th- accurate. So this reminds me a little bit. So quick spoiler here about Shogun, if you haven't read the series. Stop listening. <laughs> Which I bet only one person who is <laughs> I don't want to ruin it has. for you, one person. But this reminds me a little bit of Shogun where, oh, fudge, the tea. T- Taranaga, like Targaryen. Yeah, Taranaga. Taranaga, this whole time, is coming off like Bran. And in the very last moment, he sees his power and has been doing it all along. He's a Taranaga. Yeah, well, that's one way to interpret it, but we'll never quite know. And then of all people to object to, to Bran's rule, or not object, but 
not say I was Sansa who declares independence for the North, which is fine. I just don't know why Iron Islands and Dorne wouldn't also... That, that was huge to me. That's, again, where, like, who is this written for? Just, like, a bunch of kindergartners. Like, of course the Iron Islands would rebel. I mean, not not rebel. Dur- they would just be like, hey, we're, we're going to be independent, too. Right. Yeah. A and ton of these other kingdoms would Dorne, wanna, for sure. Yeah. Dorne and Iron Islands, for sure. Yeah. And, and especially when someone is setting the... The tone that we can do this, but no, she just what secedes from the union, yeah. And everyone else is like, We're cool, yeah. like, yeah, right, Yara Greyjoy is gonna be all about that. Whoever that Doran guy, yeah, yeah, no, that was rubbish. Silly. But for the overall story, I mean, Sansa gets to be a queen in, in that sense, and it does make sense that Which, the north would secede. She's not that but. different from Cersei in this way, it's not a criticism, criticism on my part, but. Sansa wants to be queen. Sansa has been playing the Game of Thrones just like a lot of the, the despicable characters like Littlefinger and Cersei, and she did well. Well, this is one of those ones where they really forced it down her throat that she's Cut. supposed to be smart and... Yeah. It's like the, the first thing you learn in my extremely small experience in learning about writing is show, don't tell. And I feel like with Sansa, yes. Sansa, yes. they just told us that she's smart. They didn't actually show much, except that she was right about Danny or something, you know. That's one of my biggest criticisms. That's Tyrion's speech for me in a nutshell there. Show us, don't tell us. It, it, it's so many of these, like the Grey Worm thing. It's it just... It, his... But, well, the, the Grey Worm thing, they were, they were showing us, and you wanted them to tell us, <laughs> I feel like. but um... I, I wanted... All right, no, no, no. I don't want them to tell us. I want them to show us better. But yeah, so much much better. Definitely with Sansa, they were they were, they've just been telling us she's smart. They even have Arya say she's smart, and everyone everyone's like, "Oh, she's so smart." So I'm like, "I guess she's smart now." Yeah. But anyways, yeah. So she she declares the North independent. And that's fine, and that happens. And then, <laughs> um, she did bring her northern army with, I guess, so that the Northerners are outside the walls, and there's going to be a big conflict. What we're supposed to take away from this and also from John rejoining the Night's Watch, which we'll talk about in a second, is that war with Grey Worm was averted. Just like Tyrion says, there's a compromise and nobody's happy, which means it was a good compromise. So John having to go to the Night's Watch, I have a whole lot of problems with that, which we'll talk about, but it's basically, I think we're starting to see that the wheel in some sense was actually broken. They're learning how to compromise and they're they're figuring things out in nonviolent ways. Is I guess the message of this. Yeah. And then, but then John makes a very important asks a very important question. Wait, wait, still wait, before, a, before we even get there, Tyrion becomes hand again, and it's trying to be. I'm using this word spoon fed a lot here. It's trying to be fed to us as if that's a punishment, and yet this is exactly what Tyrion's ever wanted for his life. He's chosen it over Lannister family. He's chosen it over love with Shay. She's like, let's go. And he's like, no, I got to stay here and do this. This is not a punishment. And case in point, Bronn gets master of coin and the reach, <laughs> which means yeah. Tyrion has all the power in the world to give. A little cronyism there. Yeah. It, it just, it, this is not a punishment. That was just ridiculous, insulting. Right. 
So with Tyrion, Tyrion and Bran, they conspire this It makes Bran look little... stupid because he's saying, oh, he's going to spend the rest of his life writing wrongs to a priest Grey Worm. And this is kind of like a, Tyrion's not getting an easy way out. No, Tyrion's literally getting everything he ever wanted. So at least him and Sansa get everything they ever wanted at the end of the Not only that, but everybody almost perfectly falls into place for their roles. Davos is master of ships and... Um, Sam is a, Sam is a grand maester, but he's married with two kids. And <laughs> how does that work exactly? He must not be Catholic. Yes. Well, but maesters aren't supposed to do that, right? Um, well, yeah. I'm just joking because uh, there are certain pastors who can have families right. and children. I'm just making sure that I remember that maesters are forbidden from... They're like Night's Watch in some sense, mm-hmm. right? They can't have kids. Ugh. But, mm-hmm. but before that, so John... John asks a very important question when he learns of the compromise to have Grey Worm not go to war with the North, and that is, he has to go to the Night's Watch, and he goes, there's still a Night's Watch? Which everybody must have been screaming, like, what? What the heck just happened? Why is he going to the Night's Watch? Who are these guys who, like, I kept telling you, I'm like, they look like executioners in House Frey. Yeah, his escorts, the two guys that he went there. Where did they come from? So John... uh, (laughs) Apparently goes to the Night's Watch, which I don't know why exists anymore, considering the Night. But like, hang on, that's the very end. So like, let's let's just go through a couple. Well, he gets sent there, but it's the very the last scene is that. But we, yeah, yeah. I thought that at this council that that people should have defended John better and more effectively. That really bothered me. Davos was basically John's hand, and Arya and Sansa, his family. Bran, I don't know what to say about that. Sam, who's his brother from another mother, and yet none of these people really stand up for him at this council. Well, Sansa did, but yeah. Kind of. Well, and Arya, they said, if you talk about killing my brother No, no, again. no. I mean when they're talking about his punishment. John saves the entire world, not just Westeros, from a tyrant, Danny, And he loved her. He paid the ultimate price. He did the right thing. Everybody knows it except for Yara Greyjoy. Fine. But they punish him for it. And these people who are supposed to be his family in all these different ways, and that's why I named all those characters, we don't see them put up a bigger fight of the battle with Grey Worm, even if it ends up at that. Show us that, because I don't buy that of all the characterization of everything with like John and Sam and things like that. It makes no sense to me. That was very rushed and very disappointing for Well, me. but again, the point was that they're avoiding conflict because there would have been war otherwise. But show us that discussion. I don't know. I like John more than you do. This bothered me. I thought his his relationship with Davos, Sam, and his sisters was more significant than this. But again... For I- them to just capitulate that easily. Well, they could have showed it a little bit longer, but you're saying to get a to, this, to get to the it. same compromise. It, yeah, but Jay, it's like saying like just to get to see who's on the Iron Throne, and we've seen all this. Yeah, that's no. the point. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, they just saved time by having Tyrion explain what happened. So to appease everybody and for him to not end up dead, they reached a compromise, and that was the whole point: is that they're learning how to compromise and not kill each other. Half those people there were pro John all the way. And the fact that none of them that happened to know he was Targaryen brought it up. I was shocked. Well, the fact that he's Targaryen turned out to be not important almost <laughs> at all. We will, we will talk about that yeah. later. But I, I thought that, that was the legit time. Grey Worm doesn't care if he's Targaryen. That is no... Yeah, but everybody else does. Yeah, maybe. But, but again, the, the meta point is that they're electing somebody 
and they're breaking the wheel and they're they're coming to a choice brands a weird choice but they're coming to a choice that's not hereditary it's, it's yeah not. yeah I'm, I'm all for that I'm just saying that there were a lot of people there given their roles and dedication and loyalty to John did not get displayed at all when he was basically banished for saving all of their asses didn't make sense to me yeah it's bad I mean, writing yeah Sansa and Arya stood up for him and Davos but there's, yeah it just all happened off screen it's, okay yeah, you could, as did everything else yeah you could put it could have put it on screen but it I don't know I didn't think it was necessary I just thought sending him north was stupid for reasons we talked about. What's the Night Watch exist for and whatever. But I guess just quickly, before we get to that, so... I would have liked to see... Brienne played a really big role serving the Starks ever since she met Lady Catelyn. This was a big role for most of her character of this television series. I would have liked to say her see her say goodbye as she became part of King's Landing and the commander of the King's Queen's Guard, King's Guard, whatever. Like, I, I I would have liked to see that. I would have liked to see Sam say goodbye to John. We saw him say goodbye to his cousins, but I, I would have liked him and Sam. They had a decent enough relationship. But where, we got that the last episode, or two episodes ago. But not under these new, very significant circumstances. Yeah. Just something of, like... You'll always be my brother. I'm happy for you. Blah, blah, blah. You don't think that would have been redundant? We already did that. Not under these circumstances of what happened to John and what's transpired now. But but you're asking for basically the same scene. They could have taken it out the last time and given it to us here. This mattered to me. And I would have really liked to see Brienne get appointed to the, as commander of the the King's Guard. She did. Get appointed. Oh, to actually, yeah, yeah. I, Yeah. I don't have a problem with the way they did any of that. It could have been literally... This is one of the things where like, they could have just said it. They don't have to show us. They could have just said it really quick. I, so, yeah. Just, I mean, but we Not already, a huge thing. We, I just would have liked to see that. We already saw that when she got knighted. It would have been the same point. No, because it's the true culmination of her career. Yeah, I, f- I feel like we got that with her being knighted. This... I don't know. I, I disagree. I think that this was fine. I liked seeing her. We can infer that she was Lord Commander from the way she acted and the fact that she's the one filling out the book. I like that she got to write Jamie's eulogy, so to speak. And I did like that. I, I thought she was overly kind given what transpired, which should have never happened. But okay. Yeah, I, I had no problem with the way Brienne's thing went. Except that, kind of what I was saying earlier, is that Everybody just happened to fall into place exactly what the rules were right, supposed to be. Right, right. I think it was just too much of that yeah. sometimes, but... Braun in charge of money. What? Yeah, that was That's stupid. dumb. Yeah. Um, and I really hate the way that... I already talked about this in a previous episode, podcast that we talked about, but I hate the way they portrayed him when he confronted the Lannister men in the North. They could have still made him be friendly towards both of them, which has been the case all along, but just said, look, you guys owe me. Yeah. So, I'm going to kill you if you don't give me something, but I still love you. He broke Tyrion's nose, but he's right away on his good side again. Right. And now they're going to, like, all, like, I just didn't like that. That was stupid. They could have handled that better and not even have it that way. Just keep him the same way, like, when Tyrion was on trial. All right. Well, then, can we get to John? So, now we can have the Night's Watch. What? Yeah, so the Night's Watch. There's been people there all this time. Well, not only people, but Tormund, who we saw leave. Oh, Tormund and Ghost, yeah. who just happened to know in their bones that John was coming back and were waiting for him. So, I don't know if it was all just to appease Grey Worm and there actually is no Night's Watch. I didn't know exactly how to interpret this. 
Grey Worm left anyways, so what does it matter? Except that the new king and John, everybody's got to keep their word, apparently. But maybe not, because but there John... there is, because there's those weird dudes taking John up that look like Night's Watch. They're wearing the whole garb, but they're just wearing hoods like Frey's yeah. now. I didn't understand that. And then he's walking through the halls up there at Castle Black, so there is it. I just, I thought when Dolores Ed left during, like, the whole Night's King thing that it was abandoned. Well, John, all right, so, whatever. John, I take it became a wildling, which is what we predicted. I got two pre- big predictions right, which is John becoming a wildling and Arya traveling west. I'll just offer this. At the very end there, as John's leaving with them, they do a quick shot to a green plant um, just north of the wall there. And this is the shortest winter ever, um, but I think the plant is supposed to symbolize a new chapter in John's life when he leaves with the wildlings here. And then the, Well, it's the, supposed to be, sorry, a dream of spring. A Dream of Spring is what the last book is supposedly going to be called if it's ever written. Right. But, like, again, this is the shortest winter that's ever happened. Well, there's also kids in that shot with John, which is supposed to mean hopeful future whatever. We don't usually see children too much. Except for when Danny burns King's Landing. Right. But they included children with the wildlings leaving. But, yes. But, but like, okay, so there's plant symbolism here I'm offering that's supposed to be a new chapter for when John's leaving with them as if, no, he's not going to be destined to have no lands or wife or children or whatever. The big door closes, and I think that's another symbolism of saying this is a chapter of John's life that's closing. He's going off to have a new chapter with the wildlings up north with Ghost. Yeah, I agree. And that is that. And that's not a terrible ending for him. It's just just that Um, his parentage didn't matter. Well, so I I do think for this show and how this show handled it, it's not a terrible ending. Overall, do I think it's a pretty piss poor ending? Yes. You don't we think will that's talk about it in, books? in Huh? You don't think that's gonna happen in the books? I think it's going to. I don't know. But I th- I think it might happen just so much better that it doesn't feel like this. But it I feel like we're going to have to talk about the book so much differently because it's been made so clearly from your point that you've made several times that the moment that Sir Barristan was killed because in the books he's still alive and playing a pivotal role, that the show became its own entity. So I'm going off of the show here and its own entity status that this was a just a shitty ending. They could have handled it in multiple ways, which we were going to do it all in the same podcast here, but we're going to do it in two separate ones because this one's going to be really long. But we're going to talk about the series and I, it's probably ultimately going to be an episode of us talking about how the show did not do the series right and our major gripes with it. Because um, <laughs> people haven't heard enough of that. <laughs> but, like, not enough of it of, like, because we've just been chatting about the specific episodes. But now that the, the series has ended, you've brought up several things that I, I purposely not gotten into in this episode because I, I mean to get into it more in another one of... You know, like, what was the point of him being a Targaryen and things like that? Like, talking about that a little bit more. And that's why I think as far as just from the show, not the books, but the show here because it's its own entity, this was not the best way for John, and it bothers me. I, I do not like his ending at all. Yeah, well, I think he's going to become a wildling in the books. Maybe this, Of course, circumstances will be a little different, but he'll kill Danny and then become a wildling. But again, um, well, let's let's chat yeah. about that more in our discussion of the series podcast. Yeah, well, this thing is long. Right. So we should end here. Well, so like we said, we, we will have further stuff coming. If you like the sound of our voices, <laughs> <laughs> you, 
you, and me complaining all the yeah, time. You can subscribe and you can give us a rating. I won't be posting everything on social media. I will just be sending a feed to our podcast. So the only way you'll probably see it is if we if, if you happen to be subscribed. Um, on least, iTunes. On iTunes, yeah. At least until the next series comes out, which we'll blab about then. So thank you for joining us. We did the last three seasons. Like we said, we're doing a rewatch of the first five and... <laughs> For those of you that listened, I want to give a shout out to Sierra R, who has supported every episode since our very first one, always asking if new ones were coming out and even sharing it. So that's our one dedicated fan. There's actually a couple others that come to mind here, but what's really funny is they're all somehow jujitsu related, I think. (laughs) Well, I'm the one who posts it on my social media. Yeah, that's true. Anyways, I guess that's it. Yeah. All right. Well... Song of Ice and Fire, everybody. Yeah. Words or wind.